from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? We've made it to Friday, and this is, of course, the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. And greetings from Salt Lake City, Utah, here today, where the Pelicans get set to take on the Utah Jazz tonight. Game two of a three-game West Coast trip for the Pelicans. They've lost three in a row, but look forward to the Jazz tonight, the team with a losing record like themselves, and perhaps a, a good chance to gain a little momentum before they run the gauntlet to end the season. So it is a good day in Salt Lake City. Hope you're having a good Friday back across the Gulf South or wherever you may be, as we've got a nice show for you today to talk a little NBA basketball, the Pelicans, but also to NFL as we continue our draft series. And we'll check in with the Cleveland Browns today. Mary Kay Cabot from the Cleveland Plain Dealers, our guest, and she will help us break down a multitude of picks that the Browns have upcoming this uh, May, including the fourth pick overall, in which I think they're eyeballing a quarterback. But I think Mary Kay Cabot will help clear up the picture for us in that sense. Be curious to see what's going on with Anthony Davis later today. He had back spasms the other night in Denver and could not finish the basketball game. I would say he's a 50-50 shot to play tonight. We'll know more as we get closer to uh, tip-off at 8 Central this evening. Last night was the Monty Williams radio show on um, the uh, Pelicans Radio Network flagship station, WWL-FM. And every Thursday night, that's our longest visit of the week with Pelicans head coach Monty Williams. And here on this Friday, we'll take all that in for you in case you missed last night's program. We'll run back what Monty Williams had to say here as we get set for the final seven games of the regular season. And then with the final four this weekend, we'll go a little heavy on Kentucky. Of course, the Pelicans have such a heavy Wildcat uh, contingent with Anthony Davis and Darius Miller. And so Oscar Combs will join us from the Big Blue Radio Network. Talk about Kentucky in this year's Final Four and about those two Pelicans that he once covered during their days in Lexington. So a nice show for you today. Monty Williams, Oscar Combs, and Mary Kay Cabot. We'll get started with head coach Monty Williams next. Your New Orleans Pelicans take flight on Wednesday, April 9th, when the Phoenix Suns come to town. It's Entergy Coastal Restoration Night at the Smoothie King Center, where the first 5,000 fans in attendance receive a Pelicans card charger, courtesy of Entergy. Tip-offs at 7 p.m., with the Pelicans Fest pregame block party getting underway at 5.30, featuring live music, interactive games for the kids, and more. Tickets start as low as $11 and are available now at pelicans.com. Dan Evans reporting live on the street for Newsbeat. People all across Louisiana are going crazy over getting their refund check. Reporter dude, I just got my refund check totally awesome. It seems a bit early to be getting a tax refund check, but wait, I just got word from the control room that refund check is a new scratch-off from the lottery where you could win up to $4,000. You can get your refund check at any lottery retailer, but you must be at least 21 to purchase. Refund check from the lottery rocks. Dude. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. 
The Pelicans had their usual morning shoot-around earlier today here in Salt Lake City, and tonight they'll take on the Utah Jazz at 8 Central. Our coverage will begin at 8 o'clock Central time as we bring it to you on the Pelicans Radio Network. You'll also have a television coverage starting at 7.30 with pregame show on Fox Sports New Orleans. Last night on the Monty Williams Show, we sat down with the head coach and got our longest visit of the week with Monty Williams. Talked about a number of things. Of course, the three-game losing streak, tonight's game against the Jazz, and what lies ahead here in the final seven games. Here's a look back now at last night's Monty Williams Show. Coach, as we start our program, unfortunately a rough night for you guys in Denver and, and, and a pretty tough week for a team that saw some success at the end of March but has run into some pretty physical and determined ball clubs here of late. Yeah, we, we haven't played um, the kind of basketball consistently for 48 minutes that would lead to us having a chance to win. The Denver game was a bit of a, an anomaly for us. We just didn't compete at a high level. Gave up 70 points in the first half. That, that's something we don't do. The Sacramento game was a tough physical game. We had a chance to win. Gave up a lead that we had and never could get back in, never could get control of the game. And They physically manhandled us as well. So we, we, we've got to step up to the challenge as far as uh, competing the way that we typically compete and also being able to handle the physicality of other teams. That competition thing, the competing thing was a common thread through the winning streak. I'm guessing you're seeing that as the common thread through these three losses in a row too. Well, competing and finishing at the basket, we've had a tough time finishing around the rim for whatever reason. You know, we, we've shown with a, call it what you want, a depleted roster, missing guys. We've shown that no matter who's on the floor, that if we compete at a high level, we give ourselves a chance to win. For whatever reason, the last three games, we've had struggles finishing around the rim and uh, continued in the Denver game, especially in the first half. When you watch your guys get those looks, the ones that are having trouble finishing at the rim over the last three games, are you having a hard time putting your finger on it because they're the right looks? or? Has your team been scrambling at times? No, we, we've gotten the right looks. You go through stretches in, in the NBA where you, you can't make shots. Uh, for us, that's been a, a big deal for us uh, this year outside of AD and Tyreek. Um, almost everybody on our team has struggled finishing around the basket, and um, that's something that we just got to get better at. Got to focus more and understand that we can make the shots. We've done it before. Uh, I think we shot 28 free throws in the first half against Denver. So we were aggressive. We just couldn't finish as many baskets as we would like. Having had guys in and out of the lineup due to a variety of elements here of late, have you been able to experiment with your rotations a little bit, or have you been handcuffed because of your numbers? Probably see a bit of both. We tried to you know, get some different lineups on the floor. Jeff Withy's gotten more playing time. Uh, we want to see what he can do in extended minutes. Darius is a guy that I may look to start uh, going forward just to see what he can do in a starter's role and uh, his ability to stretch the floor with his shooting could help our team. You mentioned Jeff Withy. I'm curious just because I've watched him do some things that I hadn't seen him do yet this season. Take me from what you had in Jeff Withy in October to what you see now. And I guess I'm speaking to player development and, and working a young guy along like Jeff. He was just a guy who wasn't comfortable being on the floor, even going back to summer league. Struggled finishing around the basket, struggled with the physicality of the game. Uh, spent a lot of time with Kevin Hansen every morning. Jeff's on the floor um, around 8.45, 9 o'clock, getting his work in. He's been in the weight room. So we've watched him get comfortable on the floor as he got used to the pace of the game and the physicality of the game. 
And so you start to see a guy who finishes around the basket. He's always been able to block shots, but he just hasn't wasn't strong enough to deal with the, the bigger, stronger, quicker guys in the NBA. And so uh, we threw him out there about a couple months ago, and we knew he wasn't afraid because he came from a good program and played in big games, but he was able to handle the physical toughness of being down in those trenches with those bigs in the NBA. You, you kind of said here lately you've, you've kind of thrown him in the water to see what would happen, but I've known you long enough to know that you're a big proponent of guys earn minutes. Has he earned some minutes, or is this still you wanting to see him in different situations? I don't think any of our guys have earned minutes. Well, they're getting minutes because of the situation. Rookies earn minutes usually in the second year on a, on a really good team. A lot of our young guys uh, the past two, three years have been given minutes. And um, sometimes that can stunt your growth a little bit because when you don't earn it, you don't value it as much. Uh, not to say that Jeff doesn't value it. He, he's a good kid, but I don't think any of our young guys outside of Anthony, who was a number one pick, have earned their minutes. A lot of it has just been given to them just because of the situation. And that doesn't, that's not their fault. You know, they didn't, they didn't <laughs> certainly didn't create this situation with all the injuries we've had. But as far as earning minutes, you know, I'm old school when it comes to that. Back in the day, young guys typically didn't play until their second year sometimes their third year, just depending on what kind of team they were playing on. Coach, I'm curious, as, as you're watching games around the league now, as we've entered April, what's it like? Because you've got some teams battling for playoff positioning, and you've got other teams that aren't in it, trying to develop guys. It runs the spectrum. It just, it just seems like it must be a different watch this time of year than maybe what you see in January, February, even early March. I don't know. I, I don't spend a lot of time watching other teams other than the guys that I'm, I'm getting prepared for. But having been in this situation, I know you tend to uh, see teams not experiment because, you know, teams are, I know the coaches around the league, they want to win games. But you tend to see some lineups on the floor that you you, you probably wouldn't see in a, in a normal circumstance. And then with the playoff teams, just from what I'm hearing from around the league, a lot of the teams are in weird situations. I'm sure that Miami and Indiana thought they'd be in a situation where they'd have to rest their guys. And because they haven't taken care of their business, especially Indiana, they got to play their guys heavy minutes going down the stretch. Whereas a team like San Antonio has won 18, 19 in a row, and they're probably going to start resting guys here soon. So I think you're, you're right. There's a, a number of things that are happening uh, league-wide. Then you take teams like us who are rebuilding uh, in a sense, because we don't have our guys, you're going to see us with some, some lineups on the floor that are a bit different, but there's a purpose to it. We certainly aren't in a, a mode of giving up games. We've never done that, and it's worked well for us. So you may see some lineups out there on the floor that may make you scratch your head, but there's a purpose to it. When it comes to head coaching, is it more hands-on early in the season? When you're coming out of training camp, you're trying to get your team massaged in the right direction, or is it more hands-on this time of year, so late in the season, for a variety of reasons? It's both for me. I believe in getting on the floor, and, and every once in a while I'll practice with the guys and let them beat me up a little bit, but I, I want to feel the guys on the floor. I like to see how strong certain guys are, because I know the strength and the, the quickness that it takes to play this game, and so I, I like to do it in the beginning of the year, the thick of things, and you know, Christmas time and January, and then at the end of the year, uh, you see me out there kind of fumbling around with the guys, but I'm, 
I'm out there feeling them and checking their footwork. And, uh, the one blessing that I've had is I played with some of the best who've ever played the game. And, you know, I know what it's like to go against David Robinson in practice and play against Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill. And I know it's, what it's like to, to fail in those situations and have success. And it's the one thing that I know I can bring to the table with our team is teaching uh, while doing and uh, my body can't recover the way that it used to, but every once in a while, I get out there and mess with the guys a little bit. I know it's been a couple of stumbles here of late, but when you look at your team and, and think about their focus right now, do you find your group to be a focused bunch here as we get into April? I do. I, you know, there's a great deal of remorse on our team after losses, and uh, you don't find that on a lot of teams at this point in the year, especially when you're not going to the playoffs. A lot of guys just check out, and uh, losses don't mean the same. I find myself having to build our guys back up again because they feel so bad about the losses. And so uh, we've had a solid locker room all year long. We just had some <laughs> unreal circumstances that are out of our control. And um, I, I just I hope our fans see that. The guys that have hung in there with us this year need to be applauded. They didn't ask for this situation. We, we all thought we'd have a different team playing at this point in the year. In, in respect to our locker room, it's just been uh, one of the things that I've been proud of is having the kind of locker room that we have and guys still cheering for one another. And that, to me, that's what you're supposed to do. But it's, it's not commonplace league-wide. You have a day of practice here on this Thursday as we visit before you play the Jazz on Friday night, whether it be because of Anthony Davis's back spasms or anything else. Are you glad you have a, a day in between to kind of get ready for the Jazz? I, I am. I think we need a day to heal. Tyreek rolled his ankle in the game and just toughed it out. Brian is uh, still dealing with some muscle issues with his, his leg after the spill he had last week. And AD's back. Uh, he certainly could use a day to recoup. And I'm sure John Iship has got his hands full as far as trying to keep our guys healthy and, and get some guys back on the floor. And, and we just don't have the numbers right now. We have 11 guys, but we really only have nine. And so it is tough to play in the NBA with nine guys. But you know what? We won a game against a really good team last week doing that. And that's what I expect from our guys. Lastly, Coach, maybe stating the obvious here, but against Utah after the after the three losses this week, does a good start go a real long way in this situation? Yeah, a good start, a good defensive start is going to help us. Uh, obviously, we need to finish around the basket and make shots, but we also got to be able to defend a lot better than we have uh, the last two games for sure, especially against physical bigs in the paint. Cousins had his way with us, and, and Fareed tonight was about the same. We got to have a presence in the paint. We just got to bring that fight that we had last week. All right, so the Pelicans trying to snap that losing streak tonight and take care of the Utah Jazz before heading off to Portland to wrap up this West Coast road trip against the Trailblazers on Sunday night. Big Blue Radio Network. How about that? Oscar Combs, our guest in just a moment here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll talk about the Final Four, the current state of the Wildcats, and get some interesting thoughts about Anthony Davis and Darius Miller from a man who covered them during their college days in Lexington. Still to come, Mary Kay Cabot and our NFL Draft Preview Series. But again, we'll dive into college basketball next. I'm Pelicans forward Jason Smith. Every day, one in six Louisiana households are at risk of hunger. I'm attorney Morris Park, and every day, Second Harvest Food Bank helps thousands of our local neighbors in need. That's why I'm teaming up with the New Orleans Pelicans to ask you to join us in the fight against hunger. 
Text the word Pelicans to 80088 to join the Second Harvest family, and you will also have a chance to win autographed Pelicans gear, floor seats to a game, and much more. Join us because together we can solve hunger. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Punt, pass, kick, and dunk. Lob to the rim, alley-oop dunk, Anthony Davis. This is the Black and Blue Report. Well, he's the founder of the Cat's Paw Sports Weekly, a member of the Kentucky Journalism Hall of Fame, and also the co-host of the UK Big Blue Radio Sports Network pregame show. Oscar Combs joins me now on the Black and Blue Report. Oscar, thanks for coming on today. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, according to uh, watching the Pelicans uh, almost every game, in fact. Yeah, absolutely. First off, uh, what is the mood right now uh, for Big Blue Nation? Obviously, were they more surprised, you think, that they made it this far? Or do they think all along with all the talent they had that they expected a Final Four run out of this team? Well, you know, they, they were preseason number one and, and unjustifiably so. You don't bring in five freshmen and make them number one. But they did. And uh, throughout much of November and December, yeah, I thought they thought that they would come back. But then once it got into January in February, by the end of February, I think everybody outside the practice court probably had written them off. Uh, it, it was just they ended the season with a couple of horrible losses, one to Arkansas in Rupp Arena and then on the road to South Carolina, which arguably was the worst team in the SEC. But then all of a sudden uh, they got hot, and uh, they're right here on the doorsteps of the Final Four. And they didn't have an easy run in this tournament either. They are the first team ever to beat three previous uh, Final Four teams from the last year in one tournament. What has been behind their play recently that they've been so hot? Well, you know, I, I think it's a combination of things. Uh, you know, a lot of people on Selection Sunday thought the committee really screwed Wichita State by putting them in the bracket with Michigan and Duke and Louisville. And then for good measure, they sort of added Kentucky, and there's a 15. And I think probably that bracket was drawn up. Uh, they were they wouldn't admit it, but that was the only region that was played in a dome stadium in Indianapolis. And they had 40,000 seats, so those five teams pretty much filled it up. But finally, when, it, when they started turning around, I think you might go back to the Florida game, the last game of the regular season. They got beat by 20, but they were down – 22 at the half. They cut it to four, and then they came back and lost by 20. But cutting it to four on the day that Florida was going for the 18-0 and record, I think told the kids that, you know, we can play. I mean, we cut this thing from 22 down to four. And if we hadn't missed free throws, it could have been a lot closer. And, uh, and then I think they all sort of just got together and said, you know, now that we're in the tournament in the NCAA, one game and we're gone, just go out and have fun and Things start happening. I don't think that anybody really knows the answer to that question. But, you know, momentum is a terrific word, and it can go one way or the other, and it's gone in a positive way. I think some of these guys uh, saw what happened last year when they lost Noel late in the season and everything fell apart. But then they also remember that great team from 2012. And uh, they, they just started playing emotionally off of each other, 
And when they went on the court, they were playing to win, not to keep from losing. Now, um, Big Blue Nation obviously has a huge fan base. They travel really, really well. I remember growing up in Atlanta, going to the SEC tournament, they always called it Catlanta. And it seems like Big Blue Nation really showed up for these last for this tournament games. How much has that played a factor in Kentucky's play? And I'm sure you're expecting a big showing in North Texas this weekend, right? Yeah, uh, they, they follow the team very, very well. And for years, like you said, they've, they've always packed Atlanta and then over in Nashville when they occasionally have the tournament over there. And uh, they, they get a lot of home games. I mean, there are years where Kentucky will have as many fans as, say, an Auburn game in Auburn as Auburn will. And uh, the players do feed off of that. Now, next up is the Wisconsin Badgers, a team that uh, I don't think a lot of people expected in the Final Four either. How do the Cats match up with Wisconsin? Well, it, it's certainly two contrasting style of play. I mean, you've got their methodical uh, plow horse type basketball where, you know, some games uh, don't even get into the 50s and Kentucky likes to run with the ball. But I, I think that uh, Kentucky will go out and really play uh, tough defense. And, and Calipari's way of winning defensively is, you know, it, uh, he sort of stands you up against the uh, measuring stick. And if you're under 6'6", six, six, you might as well go find somewhere else to play. And he wins it with size and length. And he likes to have guards that are 6'6". Six, six. So when they play in some of these teams like uh, Louisville and like uh, Wichita State and Michigan that had great perimeter shooters, uh, you don't have to block that three-point shot. You just got to make them altered a little bit. And Wisconsin's got a couple of really great shooters, and if they can alter that, I think they'll be okay. Now, you mentioned the 2012 National Championship team that uh, consisted of two uh, players that are actually now on the New Orleans Pelicans, Darius Miller and, of course, Anthony Davis. Um, just talk about that championship team and what was it about those guys that made them so special? A lot of guys that got drafted, but it seems like they were very unselfish playing with each other. Well, Darius Miller, I'll start out with him because he's a uh, home state boy that came to Kentucky from Maysville. And throughout his high school career and even most of his college career, uh, he was so uh, selfless. I mean, he, he he wouldn't take over a game until it was six minutes to go in the game and nobody do anything, then give me the ball. He was always deferring to the other players. But staying in Kentucky four years paid huge dividends for him. If, if he had tried to come out there early, he would have never got drafted. And I think he's going to be a really strong journeyman uh, player in the NBA for a lot of years. I don't think he'll ever be a star, but – you know, he just knows the game so well, good personality, never going to cause you any problem. And they would not have won that championship if he hadn't been on that team. Now, what about Anthony Anthony Davis? What do you remember about him most? I'll just say this, and I followed Kentucky basketball for over 60 years. He's the greatest player to ever wear the blue and white. Wow. (laughs) And I say that as having only seen him play one year in the blue and white. That guy came in, he had the skills of a point guard. Uh, he had the wings span that could block a three-point shot consistently. And his greatest play in his year at Kentucky actually was in early December. They were playing Carolina in Rupp, and he blocked the game-winning shot from a North Carolina player at the end of the game. And uh, most, most guys wouldn't even attempt it. You, you wouldn't want to foul but uh, he was a player that played all year long. He never cried. He never got emotional on the court. You, you look and you, you think, well, this guy's at least a junior or senior. But he, he just uh, he just has that unbelievable gift to play the game 
like you never think. And uh, my daughter is his biggest fan. So uh, a lot of people in Kentucky have bought the NBA League Pass mm-hmm. in the last three to four years. And, and we watch every game the Pelicans play. And I'm just amazed uh, how well he has played these two years. I mean, if I were if I were had a fantasy league, and uh, there's only two players in the league that I would pick over Anthony Davis for the future, and, and that'd be it. I mean, LeBron and Kevin Durant, and then Anthony Davis would be my third player. Did you expect Anthony to be as good as he is so far in his first two seasons? No, uh, I thought that I thought he would be decent last year. Thought it would be decent this year, but I figured it would be year four or five because. Let's face it, I mean, you know, if he were Kentucky right now, he'd be what, a junior? Yes. And can you imagine this team with an Anthony Davis on it as a junior now? Oh, boy. Now, that would have been a time to talk about 40-0. Right. Absolutely. That's Oscar Combs from the Big Blue Radio Sports Network. Oscar, thanks for coming on, and good luck this weekend in North Texas. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with you, and uh, we really enjoy watching the Pelicans play. Absolutely. More on the Black and Blue Report in one minute. There's no better time to join your Pelicans as we take flight. All-star Anthony Davis is taking his team to the next level, and the Pelicans are soaring to new heights. 2014-15 season tickets are on sale now and start at less than $300, with lower bowl options as low as $37 per game. Season ticket benefits include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions, and much more. Take flight with the Pelicans. For more info, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. Here's a valuable lesson I've learned as an Intergy customer. Saving energy saves you money. And the online videos at EntergySavings.com show you how. A few simple projects can make a big difference in your bill. In just a few hours, I knocked my monthly bill down by 20%. It was easy. From caulking windows to programming your thermostat, the Intergy videos walk you through it. Visit EntergySavings.com and start saving today. That's the power of people. Intergy. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Welcome back here to the Black and Blue Report. We're going to continue our series today, our draft preview series, as we've done all week and we will continue to do up until the draft in May for the NFL. And today we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns a little bit as they have the fourth pick overall, the 26th pick in the first round, and really a basket full of picks. And so to help us kind of sort through all that is... One of our favorites, it's Mary Kay Cabot. She covers the Cleveland Browns daily for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. You may also find her on the NFL Network, and she's out and about today. Mary Kay, good morning and welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's our pleasure, certainly. Uh, all right, so here are the Browns coming off of their 4-12 and season and, uh, and have some things to work through at the NFL Draft. Um, maybe we should just start with basically what do the Browns need most out of this draft? Well, they need a couple of things, actually. One of their highest priorities, of course, is quarterback. They're looking to bring in some competition for Brian Hoyer. Now, Brian wants to go ahead and start next year. He's confident he'll be able to do that. Uh, But the Browns are looking at all the quarterbacks. In fact, right now they are just crisscrossing the country, uh, conducting private workouts uh, with all the top quarterbacks. Uh, They've been with Blake Bortles this week. Uh, They've been with Teddy Bridgewater this week. And – you know, they are definitely doing their due diligence on these guys. Will they take one at number four? That's the big question. Uh, we don't know for sure if they will do that. Uh, they can always come back at number 26 and take a quarterback there. 
but somewhere fairly high, I believe they will end up with a good rookie quarterback. Mary Kay, with regard to quarterbacks, the Browns are almost doing this like an NBA team. They haven't attended any of the workout days, if you will, and they're having these guys uh, participate in private workouts. Why, I guess, t- why I guess take a page from an NBA team or do things differently than what the NFL teams are doing? Well, the Browns have a new general manager in Ray Farmer and a new head coach in Mike Pettin. They put their heads together and they determined that uh, it's not the best use of their time to be standing around at the pro days uh, when they really want to dig into some of these prospects and do their own thing. They've got Kyle Shanahan, uh, their offensive coordinator. They've got Dowell Loggins going out to these quarterback workouts with them. And they want to put these guys through their own paces and see if they will do the things that they need them to do in their offensive scheme. And, you know, I don't think it's a bad strategy. However, I do believe that you can pick up things by being at a guy's pro day. Johnny Manziel came over and and talked to coaches and GMs beforehand. Uh, You can kind of get a a vibe of the people around him, uh, a player's demeanor and things like that. So I would prefer that they would be at the pro days, at least of the quarterbacks, but that's not the way they're going. Do you sense, have they tipped their hand, or do you sense that they have a favorite amongst those quarterbacks? I keep hearing that they really like Derek Carr. Now, you know, at this time of year, of course, we never know if if what we're hearing uh, is just, you know, fact or fiction. But uh, I do hear that they like Derek Carr. You know, he's got the big arm. He's got a lot of experience. He threw for 5,085 yards last year, which I believe was an NCAA high. uh, And his uh, 50 touchdown passes were right up there as well. So uh, they like a lot of things about him. And if they want him, they really are going to have to go get him at number four because I believe the Raiders are taking a look at him at number five. Uh, then you've got the Vikings at number eight who are also looking for a quarterback. Would they make any trades? They've got all these picks. Would they make any trades? They might make a trade. Actually, right now, Kirk Cousins is available supposedly for about a second-round pick. So if they like him, and you know Kyle Shanahan does like him. We already know that. Uh, if they like him well enough, that's somebody that – could be on their radar here over the next couple of weeks uh so yes i could see that happening and then also you know they could trade up if they if they really like a guy at one two or three they have the ammo to go get them they've got number four number 26 as you mentioned they've also got that number 35 so they've got some options if they go sammy watkins or someone at number four and then want to come back and try to get a Derek car in the team uh they have enough things that they where they could package a couple of picks you know maybe 26 35 and something else and go up and get him there Interesting. Mary Kay Cabot from the Cleveland Plain Dealer, our guest here on the Black and Blue Report. Mary Kay, the 26th pick, as you mentioned, that the Browns have, I think is a part of the Trent Richardson deal. Um, Because of that deal, do they have to do something special with that pick or have some kind of a slam dunk there to kind of put a wrap on that whole situation? I think so. You know, I I think that, um, you know, really, uh, in order for that not to be a complete and total bust of a pick, they need to get something really good out of number 26. And, and I think, you know, you have to give Joe Banner a lot of credit for making that trade. He took a huge risk there just in terms of the, the national backlash and the local backlash that he received for trading Trent Richardson, you know, one, you know, after one full year, uh, just a couple of games into last season. Uh, but look what, you know, look what came out of that, a first-round pick, and nobody's handing out first-round picks for running backs these days. Uh, so if they can come back and get, you know, even a, a franchise type of quarterback with that pick or a big difference maker there, it will really help. Whether Browns fans are cool with it or not, Mary Kay, does this new regime uh, put forth the face of a, 
of a franchise that wants to make a massive jump here in the AFC this year, or is this going to be a slow build for them? You know what? I, I wouldn't say it's a slow build. I mean, I they had a lot of good players last year. They had six players that went to the Pro Bowl last year. So they really needed to add about, I had said, heading into the offseason, they needed to add five difference makers to become a contender. And they've basically already added uh, at least, you know, three of those kind of guys, So it, you know, in free agency. So if they can just add two or three more starters, I think they should be able to be right up with uh, anyone else in the division. All right, before I let you go, you want to hazard a guess at what they do at four? Just, I don't, I don't need a name. I guess maybe a position need more than anything else. You know, I've been saying all along, I think they need to take a quarterback there, and I'm going to stick with that until something really comes along to make me change my mind. Uh, we've heard all kinds of things, but I'm sticking with quarterback at number four. And lastly, um, because of the process that they're going through, and I think this is the case for a lot of teams, do they like, do you like the fact that the NFL draft is now into May and it gives them a little more time? You know what, I don't really mind it. Um, you know, it, it, either way it would have been fine. It kind of drags it out a little bit for, uh, you know, the people that are trying to cover it and get this thing over with. But, um, you know, by the same token, it's, it's only a couple of weeks and it, it's not that huge of a deal. Any big off-season plans for you? I know that most of us who cover the league are kind of eyeballing one little window in time there. Are you going to get able to get away from the game a little bit? Yeah, we don't have very many uh, off-seasons here in Cleveland because they blow up the regime every few years. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, sometime in June, maybe early July, I uh, hope to get a, a little bit of a breather here. Fantastic. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on today and helping us out with a team that we don't get to see a whole lot of uh, these days in the Browns. But uh, I think they have to be on the Saints' radar here at some point. They definitely will. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. No, it's our pleasure. Please. Mary Kay Cabot from the Cleveland Plain Dealer, also an analyst for the NFL Network, as our guest here on the Black and Blue Report today. Next week, we'll continue our draft preview series as we make our way through the National Football League. Every year, people whose statistics say would die from a serious health problem come to auctioner and live to us, nothing proves quality more than saving a life no one else could. In fact, on average, statistics say patients who come here are more likely to survive than at other hospitals in the state. Incredible outcomes aren't just happening at one hospital either. Seven of the top hospitals in the state for survival rates are auctioner. We are also Louisiana's only hospital ranked by U.S. News & World Report in eight different specialties and number one in the country by care checks for liver transplant. It's no wonder people from all over the world come here. A higher quality of care, one more reason to choose auctioner. And with hospitals and health centers all over the region, connecting is as easy as finding the auctioner name. Learn more about why quality matters at auctionerquality.org. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. Before we get out of here on this Friday, I want to thank Daniel Salison, of course, for interviewing Oscar Combs from the Big Blue Radio Sports Network for our show today. And, of course, thanks to Daniel for guest hosting yesterday's Black and Blue Report. We'll be in Salt Lake City all day today and this evening as the Pelicans take on the Jazz. We talked about that earlier. And then it's off to Portland to wrap this road trip. The Pelicans will travel home to New Orleans on Monday, and then I'll see you on Tuesday for the Black and Blue Report, as we'll have a guest host in the chair on Monday for you. 
Thanks to Monty Williams for stopping by today and, of course, to Mary Kay Cabot from the Cleveland Plain Dealer as our NFL Draft Preview Series continues. We'll pick that back up next week, too. Hope you have a great weekend. Perhaps crawfish is a little better this weekend as far as price goes, if you know what I mean. Stay clear of that weather, and I hope that you have an enjoyable Saturday and Sunday. Hope you'll follow the Pelicans, too, as they hit the home stretch here of the regular season. That'll do it for this Friday. Thanks again for listening all week long and today, too. This is the Black and Blue Report podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.